What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grind Line Podcast, just in episode 234. I am here tonight with Ryan and sometimes uh, Tyler stumbles his way in and tonight is one of those nights. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Tyler comes off mute and then he just raises his eyebrows. Hey, in complete silence. I'm doing great. Uh, I know the wings made a lot of moves, which I'm sure we're not going to talk about because I missed my opportunity there. Where have you been? Busy. Oh, okay. No, actually, the man with no kids is busy. Uh, Mm. I'm actually moving again, so that should be interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was there a lover's quarrel? No, no, it's not a big deal. Um, but no, yeah, so I'm going to be dealing with that. But other than that, I should be good to go here. Um, looking forward to talking about the wings tonight and going forward. Ryan? I'm good. I'm uh, still mildly recovering from the weekend. Was in Traverse City uh, for a buddy of mine's bachelor party. It was fantastic. Partying with who, Ryan? Who were you partying with? Uh, Alec Martinez. Yeah, how was that? Oh, that he, might, he might he might be known uh, out there in hockey, but uh, no, it was a good time. We got to all hung out Friday. Actually, got to visit Mr. Martinez's home, which was beautiful for those that have any interest. But uh, hung out on Torch Lake Friday and Saturday, and it was absolutely fantastic. We missed out on any rain and no no bad weather the whole time, so it was like eighty the, the whole weekend, which was perfect. Got the sandbar Saturday, hit up the bars, and that's about it. Love Torch Lake. So if you've never been to Torch Lake, it is a must. Like you have, oh. and you're in the Michigan area, like blue water, beautiful lake, pretty feet, warm most of the time. Foot straight down to the bottom, you can just see straight through. Yep, and it's uh, pretty warm most of the time because it is rather shallow in a lot of parts. So it's a nice time. Uh, go go to Torch Lake. That's the Grindline. Highly recommend lake. the sandbar if you do. That's lake what we endorsement of the week will be Torch yeah. Lake. That's our lake endorsement. But we do have some stuff to talk about tonight. Now, there's not a lot of news in Red Wings land because, like Iserman said in his press conference, it's some administrative stuff it's to wrap the up. Worst possible time. <laughs> it absolutely of the is. Year. Now, there's a couple. There's one thing that I want to ask about before we move into what we're going to do tonight, which is a jersey number and uh, roster projections. What's happening with Joe Valeno? I'm just I'm going through my roster projection. It's like Joe Valeno's not signed yet. And he's an RFA and he got his qualifying offer. And you see these other RFAs. Now he's not arbitration. So what what's going on with Joe Valeno? Is he overvaluing himself? Maybe. I mean he could be, but he doesn't have a leg to stand on. No pun intended. No, no, he doesn't have a leg. Maybe he doesn't have a leg to step on, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, wah, wah. yeah, I mean, you'd think he'd be signed by now and you'd think he'd be like, oh, I'll just take a two million dollar, one point seven five million dollar contract for a couple of years and then prove that I can improve my game. And then when the cap bump happens, then I can maybe make a little bit more money. But I mean, if he's trying to argue, which, again, he can't really argue like what's. What's taking so long? Unless it's just he's not going to accept the qualifying offer and he just won't play. I mean, do you think? I mean, he's obviously not going the the Zadina route and be like, trade me right fucking now. But do you think that he's trying, like you just mentioned, that the cap's going up? Do you think he's trying to get a little bit more money from the squeeze a little bit here? I mean, it would. I would get why if you you know he's not going to get term most likely. Um, I mean, because usually when they're tendered, it's a one-year deal, right? So if he can try to negotiate more, great. But you're not one of those top six guys that's deserving of more than two, three years at this point. And I mean, it's not to say that Joe Valen is a bad player. He's not. He's just, he has not progressed, I think, as fast as we thought he might to the level that we thought he might. And if you're saying, hey, Joe take a million and a half for two years and he's 23. So two years takes him to 25. Like you would think he'd just say, okay. And then he just do it. Like, I don't know what his qualifying offer is, but you would think he'd just take it for a couple of years and then say he can improve himself and improve his game because he was taking steps towards the end to show that he was developing. But 
I mean, I I don't know why why he and that was the thing that I'm going through, like making my roster, and he's not on the roster builder on Cat Friendly because Jay Fresh hasn't released his war stuff yet. Yeah, but, that mess with me. Yeah, I know. But I I'm going on and I'm like, where's Joe Valeno? And I had to go in and sign him as an RFA in order to put him on my roster. So I, that was just one thing. And I'm like, yeah, where's Joe Valeno? And it's just kind of weird to me that he hasn't gotten anything done yet. I assume it will get done. But again, it even it makes a roster even tighter. I mean, here, here's the thing. Like, is he worthy of a bigger contract than, say, a Christian Fisher right now? Who's making no. only 1.125 million? Mm, I don't think so. I mean, Fisher's older. He's what, 26? He's proven himself as kind of like we said, that Pia Suter PK guy. Joe Valeno is just starting to get his legs under him, really, in the league. And like I said, he's improved toward the end of last season, but he started off slow, had some shortcomings during the season. I could see him. I, I mean, maybe that might be what Iserman's saying is like, hey, but again, he can't argue because he's not ARB eligible. So you kind of you take your QO or you work on a short term deal. And if you don't, you just don't play. You sit out. Yeah, but couldn't he go overseas? That could be an option, too, couldn't it? I guess. I mean, yeah, I think if you are a contract holdout, because did Pooley Arvey do that? Pooley RV went yeah, overseas he did for one year. Was that because he didn't want to sign his deal? Yeah, or they, or they didn't want to sign. Okay, so it's like it could be the same thing, I guess. But to me, it doesn't make sense. So Joe Valeno not I mean, on the Red Wings roster as of right now. Yeah, I don't. The thing that I don't understand too is, I mean, he had twenty points last year in eighty-one games, so he was durable, but sure. not very productive. I would like to see what his defensive stats are. Um, I, that that's one thing that would intrigue me. Is he a guy that could be your fourth line center? Sure. I don't see why not, but you've signed guys that have kind of filled that role at this point. Right. I mean, you have guys like Fisher and, and stuff like that. So Fisher's I mean, not playing center though. He can play center though. Can he not? Uh, when he I was on cap friendly, he's center is not one of his listed positions. Just right wing, left wing. Uh, well, okay. So then I guess, I guess Valeno is, the de facto fourth line center, if he wants to be that, uh, like I said, could he go overseas? Could he say, well, he, you don't want out? Fisher playing center. He was nine of 40 last okay, season. So then that's not an option then. But, no. but, but again, like I said, it is going overseas an option or is it a, a situation well, where Joe Valeno gets kind of not the same treatment as Zadina got, but a situation where he's like, trade me now. I want to be traded. I want more bigger opportunity. Why would you though? Because you're get you, you're the if anything, you're the 13th forward. Like him and um Fisher, I could guarantee would be guys that rotate. Because you look at that potential fourth line, you need Valeno there unless you're dropping, unless you've got Rasmussen going on the fourth line, which you shouldn't. No. At this point. Robbie Fabry's no. not you're not gonna have you probably have Raz in the wing. You're not gonna be you're not dropping comfort or cop down to fourth line center. So you don't want Fisher there, and you're not putting Burgers there. You want him playing on the wing. Valeno, yeah. it's it's really on him. I, 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 we can't say which one way or the other, but it's it, it is to me. It's just weird I've why got, he hasn't just signed <laughs> it, it. And because he doesn't have a contract, he's penciled in as my extra forward right now because he doesn't have a contract. But if you're you were asking about his defensive numbers, Tyler, he's got an EV defensive ninety three percent. So the the only downside is his EV offense is one percent, which is really really bad. So yeah, that's, he doesn't bring much to the table offensively. That's He's what he a needs to player, do, and he needs to bring some more offensively. I mean, what what is acceptable stats for Valeno? Forty points as a bottom six guy. Well, forty points for Joe Valeno, uh, man. Thirty. No. I mean, ten more than what he already had last year. I mean, is I he, think that's a win. Yeah, I it, it, that would be an improvement, but I want him to bump the goals up. Is what I. If want. you're getting thirty to forty points from a fourth line center, that d- the depth has finally hit. Yeah, like that's super depth right there. He was a late first round pick, so I mean, there still is some upside there. Uh, is it what we thought it was? No, but it's like a Rasmussen situation. Yeah, he's a first round pick. Now, obviously, not a high first round pick, but 
So the Joe Valeno saga will continue. We will keep it updated as it unfolds. But we do have... Is it really a saga? Is that even a way to... It's a saga, Ryan. We're in the no news season. This is days of our lives, Greg. No, it said it's... I didn't say it was an opera. I said it was a saga. Like Star Wars is a saga. Joe Valeno has a saga now. Because there's no other, like we said off the top, there's no other Joe news. Joe Valeno Ryan. as polarizing as Star, Star Wars at this point? No, no. Maybe not, definitely not as polarizing as episodes one through three. Maybe as polarizing as the new Star Wars stuff. Maybe. It's probably fair. Because now everyone has an appreciation of one through three now. See, there you go. So we do have a jersey number. The best three. Shut up. They are not. You, you shut your goddamn <laughs> mouth. So on Twitter, NHL Jersey Numbers has posted that defenseman Justin Hole will wear jersey number three for the Detroit Red Wings, which threw some people into a tizzy. There were some very, very mad people. Can we give away one of those? Uh, we did. Simon yeah. Edmondson will no longer wear number three uh, if the report is correct. That's a good trivia thing now. Great. Yeah. What was Simon Edmondson's original number for nine games in the Detroit Red Wings? But... Mm. Simon Edmondson has been wearing jersey number 77 in Grand Rapids. So I'm guessing he will bring 77 over to Detroit, which isn't a problem because that number is not in use currently. And that number is uh, very similar to the comp that he had um, when he was picked as a prospect, Victor Hedman. People are saying, you know, Simon Edmondson, potential Victor Hedman kind of player now wearing the number 77 potentially. Simon Hedman. Nice. But uh, what do you think? Number three, Justin Hole. He carries it over from Toronto. Are you as mad as people on Twitter about it? No. That was an no. easy answer. That's so easy. If, if, if Edmondson had been here and like wore it for the entire season, like cementing himself as that person to have number three, sure. I might actually, you know, get a little pissed off. You I might care. I might have a little bit of like, oh, that's fucked up, but eh, whatever. But no, I don't like I would be more pissed off if I spent the money on his jersey, which we did but, to give to someone. Yeah, we did do that. But that's the <laughs> point that that was in good faith. But I don't know. I mean, you think about it, like I just made the comparison to Holmstrom. He was number 15 when he started out and then switched to 96. Now, it's not his number getting taken. Unless you want to complain about Wallman wearing 96, which thanks someone I actually pointed that out that I forgot Wallman's 90 number when we were talking about the numbers. Um, but no, it, it's it's whatever. Like it was cool to see three out there again because I think when was the last time we had it? Bob Rouse. For what? Nick Jensen. Oh, Nick Jensen. That's right. I always For forget what? about that. Yeah. Number three. Oh, number three. Yeah. No. Oh, but like he wore number three too, didn't he? Well, there's very forgettable people in that. Brendan Smith that were number three. No, no Smith, no, Smith wore two. Yeah. Nick Jensen, Alex Biega, uh, Kent Huskins before that Red Wings legend, Kent oh, Huskins. Huskins. The last like notable player to wear Rouse. is uh, Lilia. He was he wore three. He was three. Yeah, Lilia was. was three. Uh, Jesse Wallen was three. Doug Huda was three. And then Bob Rouse. And then Steve Chase on. My thoughts on it are like, OK, <laughs> so. Lilia. I liked the way three looked on Edvinson. It looked like, I don't know. It's me and Ryan. We've, we've talked about this before, like the number on the back with the name, it like something about it just looks cool. And I thought three and Edvinson looked cool. I wanted one, but you know, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, 77 wouldn't be the worst. He wore it in grand Rapids. So, I mean, I mean, single digit numbers pop without, especially without looking who was the last 77 on the team. Ooh. Paul Coffee? No, nope, that was two ago. Ooh. Somebody else did it? Two Ooh. other players after Paul Shit. Coffee were number 77. Two other players? Ah, Jesus. Yeah. Yuri Slager wear that? Nope. No, Dan, he was 74. Dan yeah, Renuff? Right. Oh, yeah. That doesn't count. Evgeny Svechnikov. Oh, yeah, Svechnikov did wear that. Because he switched from 37 to 77. That's right. Oh, and that was 2018. So there's your two other and your uh, sweater, your uh, sweater trivia. Uh, Sorry, here will be the, uh, Edvinson, if he brings it over, will be the fourth Detroit Red Wing to wear number 77. Um, I am also not angry about it because I have other things to worry about. 
uh, that's <laughs> like someone was like, someone was really angry. And let me see if I can find the comment again. But they're like, how dare he? They're like, that's effed up. It's not like he's a superstar. It's like, but it's not like, like you said, Ryan, it's not like Edvinson played 300 games with a number. And then Hole comes in and is like, give me that number. Like, well, that I mean, like, happen. did Justin Hall get to call the shots on what jersey he wants to wear, though? That's uh, that, I don't like that. He's a, an older defenseman who's been in the league for a while and it's been his number. He's been in the league for six years and played at a high level for uh, good teams. Like, so I mean, and he probably and I I don't I assume yeah. he didn't just come in and take it. I assume he like talked to Simon Evans was like, hey, I've had this number my whole career and you've only played nine games. Can I keep it? And Simon Evans was probably like, yeah. I'm 77 in Grand Rapids anyway, so it doesn't matter. I mean, it I mean, hell, it could have just been the fact that Edmondson was be like, hey, you're you're wearing this number. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's generally that the younger guys will uh, give the older guys their numbers if they want to keep them because they've been wearing them for longer. I don't hate it. I don't love it. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's like whatever. Uh, it's a number. And, <laughs> that, but, that's but, a very Ryan, Tyler statement. <laughs> but no, but us going back to like cool numbers and, and the way they look like I was fascinated to see what number to was going to wear and to see him wear 93, which is one of my favorite numbers that I think it looks cool in the back of a jersey. And I'll definitely be getting that. I like high numbers. That's going to be, I think, pretty sweet. And the fact that he did take go the route of the mule, like. Do we call him a Stet a Stetland pony now at this point? Because that's you know, kind of the Shet- opposite of Shetland, Shetland, Shetland pony. horse. No, because if you go the mule, mule is a half horse. Is is Debrinket the donkey? Oh. <laughs> oh or the ass? Bad. He's the ass of the Detroit Red Wings. No, that's Dylan Larkin. Dylan Larkin yeah. is the ass of the Red Wings. Don't don't insult the hockey bud. Don't mess with Team USA. That's America's ass. That's what that is. <laughs> so. We're going to move on to the meat of the episode, but before we do, so that we're not interrupting it in the middle. Yeah, meat, Ryan. So we're not interrupting the middle of our episode. We're going to take a quick break for a word from DraftKings before we get back with our mock lineup so we can all fight each other about who goes where because that's going to happen. So we'll be back in one minute after a word from DraftKings. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-HOPENY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, in West Virginia, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10-plus legal required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. And we're back. And before we get into it, uh, if you could go check us out on YouTube or you're watching us on YouTube, thank you. But if you're not, go sub to us, uh, like the videos, turn on notifications, and you'll be updated with all the content that we do during the season. We are uh, like 120 subs away from a thousand so we're really trying to push that 1000 goal so if you go sub to us on youtube we greatly appreciate it but we are going to jump in to our roster projections for the season based on what we're given today so right now uh we are currently well with mine if signing joe valeno at 1.75 gets us to a cap hit of about 77 million dollars which is still well under the salary cap uh eiserman has said that if there's a move out there that makes sense He'll make the move if it makes sense. So he could spend more money, but as of right now, he is not. So I feel like if we do our projections now, Iserman will make a move within the next two days. It completely ruins our episode. So let's make our predictions and then he'll go sign Tarasenko or some dumb shit. So who wants to start with their projection first? Should I go with mine first since I'm the most prepared? I will go with mine first since I am the most prepared. So. And you guys can go back. And I was forth. looking at yours anyways, and it doesn't differ much. I mean, I'm not too wrapped around who's going to be where at the moment. Yep. 
it's more about who's going to be the extra or the odd man out or who's not going to make the roster. Okay. So, so I guess we'll go line by line. You guys can throw your input in. So let's do that. Let's, I have mine set. So we'll go line by line and you can say you agree with it, disagree with it, what changes you would make. So top line right yep. now, I have Alex Dabrinkit, Dylan Larkin, David Perron. So David Perron gives you, though slow and older, high offense, goes to the corner to dig out pucks, is a great playmaker, which is why he's on the power play. He's on the power play to make plays. He sets up Dylan Larkin. He sets up Alex Dabrinkit. He can also score. Dylan Larkin sets up Dabrinkit, sets up Perron, can also score. Alex Dabrinkit sets up Larkin, sets up Perron, can also score. So... You've got, I think you've got a pretty powerful top line right there. You've got scorers. There's your offense, your guy who digs out the pucks, even though he's a little slow. That keeps Dabrinkit on the left where he's been playing, keeps Perron on the right where he's been playing, and keeps Dylan Larkin right in the middle. What do you think? The only thing I've been kind of differing on and, and torn on is the way the signings happened. And I think I mentioned this when we were first talking about it. You can pretty much have a righty and a lefty up your right side and or and left side. However, you want to set those up, whatever. Because right now you've got two righties on both wings, which it's not the end of the world. I think it's fantastic because sometimes it can work into your favor going against a lot of left-handed defensemen. But the only one I would really even debate switching is Perron. But for who is where I'm torn at, I would almost lean a cop or a Rasmussen because you want a guy that's going to be able to play both ends of the ice. Perron can do that, but he also is a fantastic guy going for the puck and then creating something off those loose puck battles or or chances. And I think cop and Raz can do a lot of that same thing. And all those guys are good at driving to the net. Nice thing with cop, if you were to throw him up there and get him off center, is now you give him a little bit more opportunity to go in that playmaking wing style. We already know that he was doing that on the center, and he's very sound defensively. But it's just, it's tough. Like, there's, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be against the Perron, Larkin, Debrinkit. I would it's, I would personally go Larkin, Debrinkit, and one of Rasmussen or Kopp. Bergeron and Raymond, I know a lot of people will say, why don't you just slide them up because they're the younger guys, but they don't, they don't hunt pucks like, like guys like uh, Rasmussen and, uh, you know, Rasmussen and cop, you know, I mean, those guys are bigger guys, especially with the Brinkett who is, you know, what, five ten? No, is he's he smaller. smaller than that? No, he's what, like what five, he, seven. five, eight. Five yeah. seven five eight. Okay, so yeah, a smaller guy. I mean, obviously he's got some some dog in him too. He's able to get the puck. Got that corner. dog in him. He's got. Yeah, that he, he's dog. not afraid yeah, to go to go into a corner and battle. That 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 much has already been shown. I mean, what, even with Perron though, he's he's only six. I'm, I'm going to say only, but he's six foot two hundred. I mean, if Raymond has beefed up this off season, because right now Cap friendly shows him at five eleven one seventy. I don't have a problem moving him in, in place of David Perron. I agree at I all. Agree. Because, you know, he's getting stronger. Now you've got that opportunity to let him really go go battle. And we saw what he can do in one-on-one situations last year and the growth that already took place there. Greg, what are you going to say? So initially I had Cop on the top left wing with Larkin and Debrinkit. That's Mm -hmm. what I initially had. And I put that out there and a bunch of people yelled at me. And I had to yell back at them because Cop, Cop is the defensive version of JT Comfer. JT Confer is the offensive version of Andrew Kopp. They're like the same player with different strengths. So I said, eventually, yeah. And I said, eventually Andrew Kopp is probably going to be a wing on this team based on center depth and signings in the offseason. It could be right now. So I would have no problem sliding Andrew Kopp right up to line one. He's defensively responsible. Like you said, he will go pull pucks out of the corner and feed the guys. I just think that David Perron has a little bit more offensive touch and actually a little bit more puck retrieval and protection than Andrew Kopp mm-hmm. has. So he was good at throwing, doing the box out move. Yep. Yeah. I said, I said a lot of times there were a lot of moments where you watch David Perron, you were like, is, is that Henrik Zetterberg with his puck mm-hmm. protection? 
And it was damn near spot on, like identical to some stuff that Zetterberg used to do. But that comes with playing that position for so long that he's yeah. able to get to that level. So, well, I, yeah, go ahead, Tyler. I, I just got one small thing to add. You, you talk about, you know, Perron and Kopp are kind of the same in terms of getting the puck and, you know, battling in the corner. Where I think it's a little bit different is I think David Perron has the scoring touch where Kopp is more of a playmaker. And, you know, having Larkin, who's already a playmaker, who can also score, but, I mean, it, it, on his best days, he's a playmaker. And, you know, having two playmakers on a line with, Alex DeBrinkett could be the recipe for success. Those threats open Dylan Larkin up to elite level playmaker Dylan Larkin. Yeah. See, and Tyler, your point there is where having cop with Larkin and DeBrinkett could almost be more beneficial because we were talking about it in the Discord, I think it was. And Perron led the team. Now, granted, this is on the power play in power play shots last season. He led the team. I mean, he think he beat Larkin by one. So do you want that guy taking those shots away from Larkin or to bring it on five on five? No, nope. I mean, it's not saying it's a bad thing because we know that Larkin and to bring it, they can set, set guys up just as easily as Perron could the other way around or whomever with on that other wing. But it did seem like last year, maybe because of how the team was performing that he took it upon himself to shoot more. Now he was in Obi's office, if you want to call it that for most of the season on the power play. So it made sense why so many shots were coming from him. But at five on five, I don't know. I, I think I'm just kind of grasping at straws to debate why it would be possibly negative, but I don't really, it's hard to say that it would be. Flexibility, yep. guys. Flexibility the other, is the name of the game. The other thing that I kind of just kind of think about too, if, you, if you're not really thinking about hunting pucks and you're just thinking about playmaking who's a better playmaker other than dylan larkin on this team than lucas raymond sure which is why i have lucas raymond on line two with michael rasmussen and andrew Kopp. right there you've got your guy to dig out pucks in michael rasmussen but also andrew Kopp. you've got your big body mm -hmm. in front of the net in rasmussen you've got your shot and playmaker and lucas raymond and i think that's another line if we're expecting rasmussen to take another step as well this coming season in his offense and not saying Rass is going to be a 30 goal scorer, but if you could get Rass at 20 goals on that line two, 20 goals, 30 assists, if you could get Rass to a 50 point guy on the second line, and then you've got cop who you expect to take to be back to form. I'm not going to say take another step, but to be back to form, because if you were to look at Jay Fresh's uh, war cards of Andrew cop now and just take out last season and look at Andrew cop. They're two completely different players. And that's I can put that on a couple of things being the recovery from the surgery and also having a new team and new system and new coaches and all that. It's a little it's a little bit to get used to. But if Andrew Cobb gets back to form and if we expect not expect, but think that Lucas Raymond could get to a 30 goal, 70 point season. Again, your top six. And that's saying Rasmussen probably should be a third line player, but will flex up because of his skill set. I think you're looking dangerous on the second line. I mean, I think you can just flex him up too because of the way he started to play against top tier talent. Yeah. I mean, he he is not afraid, like he's not living and dying by opportunities in front of the net anymore. And it's it paid off like no other for him. Now, it was like, and you could tell, and we talked about this before, when he, when he got hurt, it seemed to kind of deflate the team. Now, granted, depth sucked last season. And we so in a way, people. It, yeah, you just, they got decimated at that point. But if he has a bounce back like we're hoping for, he should be in your middle six, if not top six. And that's going to be huge because you got, if you like with the line that you've mentioned there, you've got him and Cop. Who are very sound defensively guys that are on your PK as it is Raymond, I think started getting mixed down on the PK. And I like the way that they were starting to run that having their best players on the PK. Cause now you've got guys that can take advantage of it, go the other way, unless your name is Pusuter and he's going to take advantage of it all the time. But now we got Christian Fisher and or Joe Valeno to hopefully take that over if he gets signed. But to go back to Raz and cop, like you've got two guys. Now you've got two centers on that line. I know that Perron took some center draws and didn't do awful there last season. I don't think Debrinkit does anything at center. 
No, no. Rass, I think at the end of the day is going to be more of a winger. And Brian sure. Fisher, if you're listening, uh, Ryan says Mike Rasmussen, top line winger. Could be. No, but here's the thing, though. You talk about like top line wingers, like like that that term kind of gets thrown out loosely. I feel like 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 you know, in a perfect world, you would have like your you know McDavid, Drysidel, and and whoever else, basically, right? And obviously, that's that's an assortment of riches or like Pasternak, Marchand, Bergeron, your perfection line of de facto. We don't really have that. Unless you it's don't the need playoffs. to have that. Yeah, you, but you don't need to have that. Like sometimes a guy like Michael Rasmussen is he a first or second line forward, maybe not. But in this role, in this team, if you're looking for like, you know, playmakers and goal scorers and guys that obviously are going to try and hunt pucks, Rasmussen, Cop, both on that first line, on the second line. And Raymond could be a de facto goal scorer at that point. So, and obviously he can do a little bit of both. And in that case, we talked about the playmaking ability already, but I, I like that second line. I mean, that's, that's good. And yeah, again, like I said, Rasmussen, maybe not your top six forward, but in this case he is. And I, I like it right there. Synergy. Let me, let me throw this at you. So what we just mentioned, I'm looking at cap friendly depth charts right now. So that top line of Debrinket, Lark and Perron, that's 66, 79 and 56 points respectively. I'm going to name you another top line. Tell me if you can tell me what team it comes from. Now, granted, one of the players was hurt, so their points are a little bit lower, but it was 45, 66, and 57. That was your top line for the Stanley Cup champions. Oh. Now, granted, it, Eichel was hurt. Sure, but that goes back that to the That was 67 games, but that was Eichel, Barbashev, and Marcia So. Well, that goes back to depth, right? They built exactly. a deep That's team. That's where I was going with that. Yes. They won because they were deep. So, and played good defense. So that second line, I think, checks out, and uh, we'd all be happy with it if it shook out that way. So third line, I've got Clem Costin, JT Confer, Jonathan Berggren. You've got your angry man in Clem Costin. You've got your offensive center in JT Confer. You've got your dual threat offense in Jonathan Berggren, who can score and also is a setup guy. You are hoping that Confer continues his offensive production and boosts it up. So you've got Berggren as a setup guy for Confer. You've got Clem Costin to clear and get pucks out of the corner and beat people up. And then you've got Confer, who's also going to set up. Now, Clem Costin is also maybe the shadow offense on that line as well, since his finishing numbers and goal per 60 are so high. He just hadn't been given more than nine minutes a night to do anything. So you hope that with more help and with guys who can feed him the puck in good situations like a Berggren, who we've seen make plenty of spectacular passing plays, in his very short period of time that maybe you unlock Costin's offense too. But again, synergy, you've got a, you've got it across that third line as well in Costin, Confer and Berggren. So what do you guys got? You could, also, you could also flip-flop Costin and Rasmussen if you believe in Clem Costin's offensive yeah. upside. I think those um, two are pretty interchangeable. Yeah, I also think JT Confer and Andrew Kopp are, are pretty interchangeable as well. Uh, I know you talked about kind of they 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 are very similar players. Cop is as a more responsible defensive player, where Comfer a little bit more offensive, not as responsible defensively. But I mean, if he can boost that production a little bit, I mean, you you're looking at three really good centers and Larkin, Cop, and Comfer. I mean, and wasn't Comfer the third line center on the Avalanche, the Stanley Cup champs? Yeah, but he was flexed up part of the season because of all the injuries. Like, the Avalanche were, like, dead from injuries. This and, past year, yes. Yeah, and that's what Confer said. Well, and I mean, this past year is when Confer got more opportunity as well, so. I don't know. I'm, I'm torn here. I think what I was starting to look at was that flipping Berggren with Costin because going with, with a line of Berggren, Confer, and Sprong, there's a lot of skill there. And, or Cop, however you want to have it shake out. Now, I dropped Sprung because of having offense on the fourth line. Yeah, yeah. But even with the way I was looking at it, you still got offense on this fourth line here. But we'll get that in a second. But, I mean, I like Berggren feeding Sprung a lot in this situation. But it wouldn't be off because Sprung's a righty. Is Costin a righty? I believe Costin's uh, a lefty. lefty. So, So I like the thought. Now, granted... 
Uh, let's see. Comfort is a righty. So he could be set up for one tease, but Berrigan feeding across for a one-timer to Sprong, who's got a hell of a shot, would be pretty awesome. And honestly, I wouldn't even be surprised the way things happening or th- th- the way things could happen, I should say, if Berrigan snuck his way on the second line this year. I think that's possible too in Tyler, where you go back to cop and Comfer and maybe they could swap spots. I think the only reason that Comfer might play up and that even that cop might be swapped to the wing is because Comfer is a right-handed shot at center. Yeah. And if you could get a right-handed shot at two C, you might take that over Andrew cop. Who's a left at two C, even though their kind of play styles and numbers are, are pretty similar, but it's just, again, it's everyone is swappable. It's like you can pull out a piece from the third line and put it in the second or first line. You can pull out a piece from the first line and put it on. Like you could pull David Perron out of the first line and throw him on the third line. And you could put Bear Grin up top with Debrinket and Larkin. Probably not a great idea because that's two smaller guys and no one huge. But you could do it and it probably wouldn't hurt you as much. You could pull Andrew Kopp. Like you said, you could pull Andrew Kopp from the second line, throw him on the top with Larkin and Debrinket. And it'd be perfectly fine. And it would actually probably be a really good top line. So yeah. that, that's why I wouldn't even be afraid of Raymond being up there with Larkin to bring Like, like I said, yep. you know that he's likely gained weight this offseason and put on more muscle. We thought we could already tell that that had happened going into the last season, the way that he was definitely more confident and not as timid, if you will, going into the board battles and trying to go for the puck and, so, and this and that. But so if that there's an improvement there. If he's got himself up like 190, 185, 190, have at it because you know that's going to be brick shit house. If he could work on his evasiveness, like we saw him do at Traverse City during training camp, Ooh, where that, that was a video, video of him that... playing keep away and pissing off Larkin. Yeah. And we saw it in preseason too, where he had some what I call Datsuk moments, where he was playing keep away with guys and just deking them out of their skates. And if he could do that through the whole season and gaining weight's part of it and being, being a little faster and, and a little more mm-hmm. seasoned is part of it. I think you could put him on that top line. Now, a lot of people will put him on that top line. The people will say your top line is to bring it like Raymond. It. And I'm not against, against it, it either. But I think spreading out the offense might be a little bit more beneficial. You're right. Thank you. I mean, so we're going to go on to line four. <laughs> no, do you have more, Tyler? Yeah, no, some more from Tyler. No, I was just going to say, I mean, if you just look up and down this lineup, there's so much depth. And like, you know, you just look like at this compared to what we had, you know, even just two years ago. And it's like night and day. And I remember Ryan talking on the podcast this couple of years ago, just saying there's going to be a turnover in the 2023-24 or going up to the 2023-24 offseason. There's going to be a huge turnover in the roster. And there really has been. I bugged Jay Fresh to him, like, can we get the war roster builder? And he didn't respond because it's not done yet. And that'll probably be next week's episode when it finally launches. But I'm really excited to see just how many more wins this roster has over last season. And I I will bet you it is a fairly decent amount. And to your point, Tyler, again, of the depth piece, what did... How many forwards has Vegas lost, I guess, is the thing I should have looked at. Because I know Riley Smith's not on here. But I know that I don't believe that he was typically top line for them, anyways. Lost or I thrown mean, overboard? He was technically thrown overboard, but he won the cup. But I mean, you look at Jack Eichel, sixty-six points in sixty-seven games. Their next top scorer was Chandler Stevenson on here with sixty-five over eighty-one. Outside of that, like it was, you, this is like looking like. Uh, what year was it where Detroit had no one barely over like 60 points, but were a top team, 70 points? Like Datsuk Zetterberg era. I can't remember what year that it was, was exactly, the, but. Oh, nine, not oh, nine, 10, like 10, 11 or something like that after, after the two cup runs. Yeah. Like it, it just top to bottom, they were just good. So we're going to go into the fourth line. And I don't think we can argue this one. And again, I did this because Joe Valeno is not signed yet. Christian Fisher, Robbie Fabry, Daniel Sprong. I've got Robbie Fabry as the center right now. Valeno signs, Valeno slots in. I have a hard time thinking they're going to make Christian Fisher an extra. And at that I don't point, think they will. At that point, Robbie Fabry's your extra, and you've got a $4 million extra forward. But 
again, maybe he's not ready to start the season and we'll see what happens or a week into the season, he's injured again. So I think that Christian Fisher, Robbie Fabry, Daniel Sprong, Fisher's your defensive guy. Daniel Sprong's your offense. Robbie Fabry is both. He's a facilitator and he can score. So again, that's a, I had said previously, and I've been saying for the past two or three seasons now, when Robbie Fabry is your third or fourth line winger slash center, you have a deep team. You're ready to Mm -hmm. make a playoff run. Robbie Fabry is now at this point, a fourth liner on your team based on how I'm shaking things out and how things look the most evenly spread offensively and defensively of the forward group. Robbie Fabry, Robbie Fabry is your fourth liner or he's an extra. That's what it looks like to me. And you know, what's even worse is that he can be either one of those things, fourth liner extra. But if someone's nicked up in a game, he can move into the top six. Sure. And produce. Yep. Exactly. Absolutely. And I, I like him on the fourth line here because at this point, he's got knees worse than a 90-year-old. Yeah, and he and scares me at center, but he doesn't scare me at center on the fourth line. No, I think he can be okay in that depth role unless you're playing a team like Vegas, for instance, that has just a stud and ridiculous fourth line that is going to eat you up in all situations. But that's not the consistent thing you're going to see across the league. So. I mean, it's starting to become more of a thing because of the way team how things are starting to shake out with teams. But if you've got Fisher, Fabry, and Sprong, as you mentioned there, or even Costin, as we were just talking about, their speed, their scoring, and there's some size. Yep. Now yeah. depends on if you have Cost, like if you have Costin and Fisher out there together, you're in good shape. And and like we said, Fisher is a very defensively responsible guy. That was one thing. Part of the reason that I don't like Robbie Fabry at center is because of the defensive lapses. And if you've mm-hmm. got Fisher there to recover for that, especially on the fourth line, you're okay. I think you're okay. And like right now, I have Joe Valeno as the extra forward because he doesn't have a contract left. If he gets a contract, mm-hmm. it makes things a little bit more, I guess, different. Like you can move him. Hey, if he doesn't have Fabry's a contract, spot. there's a roster spot now. So who's going to get it? Yeah, exactly. So we're going to move on to defense. On defense, I have a top pair of Jake Wallman and Mo Sider. That's not changing. You, there's no way you guys are going to argue that. We're right? not debating that one. No, I don't even not. think we need to debate. We don't have to debate the top four for that matter. So there is debate within the top four, and I'll bring it up. Now, you guys might not have debate. So right now, I've got Shane Gostisbehere and Justin Hole uh, as the second pair. So the debate there has been, well, maybe your middle pair is Oli Mata and Shane Gosses Bear. Shane Gosses Bear sure. on the right, Mata on the left. And then your bottom pair would be Ben Sherratt and Justin Hole. And uh, to that, I say, oh my God, yeah. no, please don't. Because it now there's two sides of this coin. Side one is Toronto and the media is a bunch of crying babies and they just blame Justin Hole for everything. And he's not actually that bad. So that's one side of it. And that's the side I, I hope to believe is that Justin Hole will fill the role that he's supposed to fill with less pressure and limited play in situations and not have to be crucified by the Toronto fan base. Mm-hmm. The other side of the coin is he is actually that bad. And you put him with Ben Sherratt, who is worse. And then you have a black hole of a third pairing, which I don't want. So to me, a second pair of Shane Gosses bear who is offense and Justin Hole, who is defense on the same line, is is a, it's a good pairing to me. And then your third pair is Olimata and Ben Sherratt with an extra being Gustav Lindstrom. I can't argue with that. Plus, it's a pretty improved defense from what we had last season. Uh, yeah. No, I, I I can see the Mata and Gossespair, and honestly, I wouldn't hate it because you could easily compare Gossespair to, and, and Mata to Mata and Hironik, who were a fantastic duo. Yep. That's really that's almost an exact comparison that you can make, to be honest. And you're not but I think the argument there is maybe Ghost plays a little bit better defensively than Heronic will. So I wouldn't be mad about it, but like to your point of Hull and Sherratt, that just kind of scares me. So Too I just scary. prefer to yeah, I prefer to avoid that at all costs. So if you're telling me Hull and I like the second pairing going left right. At this point, like go your third pair kind of I'm fine doing whatever the matchups aren't going to be as intense. Maybe it lets them move around a little bit more and be free with what they got to do. 
and Sherratt already plays the right D role a bit if he's going to be there with Mata on the third pairing. So I like the right left on the second, just out of me. Now you're ready for crazy time. The other option people have been talking about is a second pair of Olimata and Justin Hole and a third pair of Ben Sherratt and Shane Gostaspair. I hate that. I I hate no. it too, but that I just like I think the more offense on the second pair. I, I do think that Gostaspair might make up a bit for the faults of Ben Sherratt, but I mean, you could even put Ben Sherratt as your extra, and again, you'd be paying an extras at $4.75 million and slide Gustav Lindstrom up to your third pair and have a third pair of Mata and Lindstrom, and then you've got all righties on the right, all lefties on the left. So, I just don't I understand the re-signing of Lindstrom when you're trying to get Edvinson into the lineup. I, I guarantee think. it's for one, he's cheap, yeah. and two, he's a righty. He said he knows his role. He knows where he's yeah. going to be. He's on a two. Or he could be in Grand Rapids one day, be in Detroit the next day, be sitting in the press box. Edvinson comes up. It's not a threat. I mean, you just send Lindstrom to Grand Rapids, and you play Ben Sherratt in the on the eighth floor or whatever. You know, yeah. a de facto I, a healthy scratch. I, I would not be surprised if we see a decent amount of seven D this year. To be honest, I would now, be surprised no. if we saw Ben Sherratt traded at the deadline with salary retainage. That too, but I mean. I don't know. The 7D I could see happening at at times, depending on the team that they have to go against. But if they're if they're struggling with the four lines they've got now in place that we're assuming they're gonna have, then there's something amiss or guys are playing hurt or something stupid's going on. Yeah, I I don't I don't hate the D pairs. I, I wonder, and I know Wallman Insider worked well together last year. Does that mean they're going to work well together this coming year? Maybe. But yes. could you see Augustus Bear slide up there and play with <clears throat> Cider to unlock Cider's potential offensively a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's Wallman can do it too. I'm just saying, I think Wallman and Augustus Bear could be a little bit interchangeable. Yeah, I think Augustus Bear brings a little bit more offensively than Wallman. Not trying to say that Wallman can't do it. We've already seen what he can do offensively. It's there, but Ghost. Like ever since he's been in the league, that's what he's been known for. And you could argue Wallman's the same way, but there's an extra level that Ghost can take it to, to, in my opinion, that Wallman just hasn't hit yet, but will. And I think learning and playing with Gossip Bear is going to make Wallman that much better offensively. So, it, but I could definitely see Cider and Ghost like end of game situations playing out there together and on the power play. I don't hate the idea. Yeah, so let's move to power play. So on power play one, I have Dylan Larkin, Alex Debrinkit, JT Comfer, David Perron, and Moritz Sider. Uh, again, Perron, facilitator on the power play. Dylan Larkin scoring or facilitating. Debrinkit is scoring or facilitating. You're hoping JT Comfer bumps that offense up. And you've got Mo Sider. Mo Sider, I put on power play one. People are saying that Shane Gostisbehere might also be able to quarterback power play one, and I don't doubt that he could. But I have most cider there more for defense than I do for offense. And he's also a great facilitator, gets the puck to the net. So there's both there. But because I put Cop on the second power play, who is the more defensive forward, I threw Cider uh, as the quarterback of power play one who can also play the defense if they're caught. I could go either way on the back end. Like, I'm not going to be mad if it's Cider, and I'm not going to be mad if it's Gossespair. I think we started to finally see it in flashes last year that Cider was finally taking the shot, if you will, meaning firing the puck on net, trying to get it through bodies and just creating havoc if it does get knocked down and trying to go for a loose puck goal. That is something, again, kind of speaking of what I just said for with Ghost and Wallman, is Gossip Bear has really excelled at getting pucks through on the power play, moving on the power play, and really. I think he'll fit well with the way Detroit tries to cycle the puck. That's where I can, and it gets, it would probably much to people's better judgment, take cider, some take away some minutes from cider overall. But at the same time, that's not going to be a bad thing that he's not out there every single minute of the day. And you're just, you kind of save him in that sense, but that'd be the only thing I think 
I would change up would be Ghost and Cider. But even then, I'm not even convinced that I would do that, like make the switch. I know what I would do. I would I would move Cider down to the second power play unit. I would switch Comfort and, and Raymond just because I think if you have the Brinket out there and you also have Ghost out there, you have two one-timer opportunities and then Raymond's also the facilitator and able to make the, make his passes with Larkin also out there um so that's that's what I would do oh wow I did realize you just you did hit put four righties on that line there Greg okay but my problem is that I'm trying to put offense also on power play unit two so on unit two I've got Andrew Kopp Michael Rasmussen Lucas Raymond Jonathan Berggren Shane Gosses Bear. Mm-hmm. So that is where I'm looking and saying, hey, th- this is going to be another offensive line that also is defensively responsible with someone like Michael Rasmussen and someone mm-hmm. like Andrew Kopp. And then you've got, like you said, Gossespierre, who's getting the puck to the net. You've got Rasmussen who can sit net front and tap it in. You've got Berggren who can make plays from anywhere on the ice or behind the net. You've got Lucas Raymond, who, again, is making plays or putting the puck in the net. So... I tried, I took Raymond off of power play one to put him on power play two, just to spread out the high caliber offense. I, I agree with you. And I do kind of like that philosophy, but if you look at most of the NHL, it seems like they load up on power play one and power play two is kind of like, you know, the last 30 seconds of the power play. And it's not really Uh, that big of a deal. I would like to try to go with a fucking loaded power play one this year. See how it goes. If it if it starts out great, keep it. If it doesn't, break it up. Great. Then your power play one is Dylan Larkin, Alex Abrinkit, Lucas Raymond, David Perron, Shane Gossespierre. Let's go. There's your power play one. And that's all pucks on net. That's what that power yeah. play is called. All pucks on net. There's going to be there's guys that can move and skate. You can put Debrinkit on the left side, let Perron float. Actually, Debrink, him and Debrinkit can float and switch sides if they need to. Have at it. Then your second power play becomes Andrew Kopp, JT Comfer, Moritz Sider, Michael Rasmussen, Jonathan Berggren. Which again, still not terrible, right? And you might switch someone out. I mean, maybe you could switch out JT Comfer for Daniel Sprong. You could switch someone out for Sprong just to see if there's maybe even a little more offense. Or you could switch out Andrew Kopp for Daniel Sprong. Because I would do that, Clem, honestly. Put in Clem Costin for a net front kind of situation. Yep. Well, Michael Rasmussen's net front on power play two. So I, I mean, he could also be net front on power play one. I kind of like it's not going to happen, but I like the idea of Sprong over Cop. Yeah, because Sprong, because you think he has a shot. better finishing. Yeah, because Andrew Cop sometimes reminds me of Phil Bull at 2.0. Oh, no, when it comes to don't. his not wanting to shoot. Ugh. I think either way you go again, the power play special teams was again, looked like a focus. We're, we're shoring up special teams. Special teams wins games. That's what happens. So it looks like our special teams are much deeper on the power play. On the penalty kill, it's just about the same. Penalty kill one, I've got Andrew Kopp, Michael Rasmussen, Olimata, Moritz Sider. It's my penalty kill one, and my penalty kill two is Christian Fisher, Klim Kostin, Jake Wallman, Justin Hole. Again, I don't think you're getting beat much on either i mean you could switch fisher and cop you could put fisher up to pk1 because he is your de facto suitor replacement where he's a penalty kill specialist and then you bring cop and cost in on penalty kill two as the forwards and then wallman and hole again depth guys and it should be even better with and I, bob bugner he improved as the season went on too so mm-hmm. you got a much stronger group there yeah i i think they're gonna roll s- solid with three penalty kill lines at least on the forward side of things because i don't think you're going to see a situation where larkin is not out there for some of the the pk they made they emphasized that a lot last year it felt like and he did i thought very well at times and we saw raymond out there well as well i think you're going to see some of the top players maybe not to brink it but larkin and or raymond getting a, a significant amount of pk time to try to offset what the what it is the attacking team is trying to do. I mean, their penalty kill is is as good, well, potentially as good as we've seen it in a long time. I mean, that those are all responsible defensive players. I mean, guys that hopefully don't give up the puck. I mean, the Hall is the one guy that kind of 
scares me a little bit in terms of turnovers. But, I mean, we'll see what happens when he's not playing in that pressure cooker that is Toronto. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I like it. I, that's That's pretty much all I have to add to that. So, that's a lineup. I think we're all pretty much on the same page with everything, right? Penalty, even penalty kill and power play, which there's, again, room to switch people around and create synergy and, and even more there. But Ryan has found something else. And uh, it's Philip Zidane. People are, we're going to talk about Philip Zidane again because it's apparently the story that never ends. So go ahead, Ryan. So Jenna Trotman posted this. And thanks to Dr. Detroit Spartan for pointing out the, that the comment was made. It just so happened to pop up on my Twitter here. But Jenna Trotman from WXYZ did a short minute long segment. And part of the quote that came from that was, I would rather go somewhere else to get the opportunity and prove myself that I'm still the good player as I used to be. I'm sorry, but what what opportunity was not there for Philip Sedina in Detroit? Okay, you guys, you guys freak out before you guys freak out before I'll give you my my take on it. Go ahead. I think he's delusional. That's what I think. I mean, it's it's a it's a nothing story, to be honest. And he and from what I heard real quick in the comments is that other guys were getting chances, but I'm like, okay, well they performed better than you. I'm not saying that Zed- we talked highly of Zadina and t- as well as probably equally shit on him the, the, the same amount of times, but it's because it, we, it was the roller coaster of emotion that he gave us when he was on the ice. We knew that the potential was there. I went back and found my tweet from the night he was drafted and losing my shit that we got the steal of the draft. And here we are five years later, nothing came from it. Like, not on us as fans to be. I mean, we're going to be pissed off that you were a shit sixth round, sixth overall pick. We could have had Quinn Hughes back there on the back end, but no, you had to fall. And now we see why. Then to say that, like the fact that he is pissed off because players that were brought in were better than him. Okay, fucking try. You're in a you're man's league. Fucking man up. Guys like Lucas Raymond passed him the day he was drafted. Yeah. The day he was drafted and came into camp, Lucas Raymond passed him. So, I mean, obviously, as a hockey player, you you lose an opportunity in Detroit, and then you you basically forego the money that you had um, and basically become a UFA. And, you know, good for him. He's getting an opportunity. I, I Obviously, I hope he gets an opportunity and does well. But, like, to say that you didn't get opportunity in Detroit is bullshit. I'm sorry. It just is. Yeah, maybe Jeff Blaschel didn't give him all the opportunity in the world, but certainly this past year he was given the opportunity. Yeah, he got hurt. But you know what? At the end of the day, he didn't pan out. And you know what? We can look back at Ken Holland, and he overthought this. Quinn Hughes was right there. He was right in your backyard at Michigan. You saw him play in the NCAA tournament. You saw how good of a player he was, and you passed on him. And now he's you know, a very good defenseman in the NHL, and you could have had Quinn Hughes there. And he's still, I, in my opinion, obviously Edmondson, if he pans out, that will be, you know, your de facto Quinn Hughes, obviously not the same kind of player, but still a very good left shot defenseman. And for Zadina to say that, yeah, I guess as a hockey player, you understand he's going to kind of go back at the organization that wouldn't, wouldn't really trade him. So he had to like forego the rest of his money and, and kind of just get his contract terminated, which. I have a hard time believing someone wouldn't give up a, a seventh round pick for Philip Sedina or yeah, but his contract. Tyler, they didn't take him for free. It's um, yeah, it's unbelievable that someone just didn't take him for free. I mean, the, especially nowadays they did. where everyone they got him for is, cheaper now. Right, right, but the, just think about like a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs or even a team like the Boston Bruins that are going to lose Patrice Bergeron and and David Krejci, and obviously they're not the same player for the same position, but need of goal scoring and the premium of of where you're at in terms of cap space i'm i'm kind of shocked he didn't get an opportunity or yeah where someone just didn't take him for free but what was his cap hit though uh it was it's 1.1 now it was wasn't it 1.75 or something okay so i guess 1825 so san jose just figured well he'll He'll probably just get non-tenored and and you know become a UFA or get his contract terminated, and we'll get him for cheaper. I mean, San Jose essentially saved a ELC contract spot with that. Yep. So you ready to close it out on this? Uh, one, I don't think he was mad at all. I would have to watch the video to see how no, he says it. 
but I it, don't it's think it's malicious. No, and the why it's being said, and I had talked about this previously, look at the roster. And he's not mm-hmm. talking about given chances last season or the season before. He's talking about being given chances this season. And with the way the roster is right now, Philip Zadina is an extra over Joe Valeno, who's already an extra. There is mm-hmm. zero chance for him to even dream about cracking this roster. You know why he went to San Jose? Because their team is a dumpster. There yeah, is no way. Fucking try. Philip Zadina and his agent, and even if he asked for a fresh start before the, the draft because he knew what was going to happen, because you look at the roster and you look at the cap space and you look at Steve Eiserman and his glowing visage and you say, hey, there is no way in hell that I am going to have a chance to break the roster that Steve Eiserman is building. And looking at it now, who are you playing Zadina above? To even give him a shot at making the roster. When you've got guys like Carter Mazer, when you've got Thank guys you. like Marco Casper, when you've got guys like that that are going to work to try and earn a spot and get in here, who's he going to break in above? So, of course, he's going to say something like that. It doesn't make sense for him guys. not to. And those two names that you just mentioned are names that I'm watching the longer this Valeno saga goes on. I'm so, using saga now. Thank you. So you look at it, and Zadina's doing the same thing I'm doing. You're looking and you're going, well, I can't beat out Berggren. I'm not going to be- beat out Daniel Sprong, who was just signed. If Robbie Fabry's knees explode, maybe I beat him. But then Joe Valeno's in there. Joe Valeno scored more goals than me, assisted more than me, and was better defensively than me. And I and just played two positions. I just went on a Sharks podcast to talk about Philip Zadina and what they were getting in Philip Zadina. And if he can turn it around, great. He'll be fantastic for them. And he can play responsibly when he wants to. And there are good things to say about him. But I don't think the comment that he made was in any way malicious toward the organization. I don't think it was a comment made in anger. I don't think he was pissed off. I think he looked at it and said, well, shit. I can't make this roster. I don't want to play in the AHL. No one wants me in a trade. No one's going to take me on waivers. I need to get a clean break. And that's why he gave up the money to get a clean break to go sign with another team. I mean, if anything, the only thing that Joe Valeno probably had on Philip Sedino was that he was, that he is a center. Because if you look at the last two seasons, Valeno has four more points than Zadina. And 43 more games played. Maybe there's your tie. But were we expecting Joe Valeno to be a top six player? Or were we, were we expecting no. Philip Zadina to be a top six player? Zedina I mean, I was starting to reserve myself to Philip Zadina being a depth potential scoring forward. But So I think that is where we are going to end ever talking about Philip Zadina again on this podcast unless he comes back. And uh, I want to go to final thoughts. And since Tyler might not be here for another month, we'll start with him. Uh, no, my final thoughts are this is the... You like how I didn't even acknowledge you there? As um, you do. No, my, fi- <laughs> my final thoughts are uh, this is the deepest team we've had in a long time. I mean, obviously, there's still things that can still happen, but we're in a quiet situation at this point. It doesn't really look like there's going to be much more movement, I don't think. And then yet Steve Eisenman could go and make a move tomorrow if he wanted to. So uh, we say that now. But honestly, this this team is as deep as we've seen it in a while. This is uh, probably the most anticipated Red Wings season that we've had in a long time, probably since, what, 2012, 13, somewhere around there. It's been almost 10 years now, which is, is shocking to say that. But when you miss the playoffs, so it's seven straight years, this is kind of where you're at at this point. You've had a lot... It's been a long road to get to this point. And obviously they're not they're not quite there yet, but they're going to be knocking on the door of the playoffs and obviously we haven't done projections or anything like that. That's for another time, but we're in a good spot. I always talked about that light at the end of the tunnel. You're starting to really see it. It's like hitting you in the face at this point. Now, I'm not talking about a Stanley Cup contender. I'm talking about a playoff contender where, you know, you you could get into the playoffs, uh, maybe on the outside looking in, but but more than likely a chance to get in the playoff, especially with the Alex to bring it um, trade and, and then signing. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter at seal dog 91. Yeah, no, my, my final thoughts. I'm kind of jump on what you said there about a team that's going to be contending. 
I'm not trying to get ahead of myself and say that it's a playoff team. Should that be the exception, I think, for much of the season? Probably. If they don't make it, I'm not going to be upset. Will I still bitch a little bit? Yeah, because that's what I'm going to do. But at the same time, like there needs to be growth. We've seen growth with the way that Eisman has rebuilt this team the last several years. And Tyler, I think, I don't know if you saw it when I put it on Twitter, uh, but we talked about it last year. If you don't include Fabry, there's five guys that have survived the purge since Eiserman took over. That's Now, there's a couple prospects that are mixed in that I don't have included in that, but that was, if you look at NHL roster players that have made their way through since roughly 18-19, five guys. This should have started a long time ago. We've said this over and over that we're, we're basically blue in the face. It's a process. We're not sipping on the Kool-Aid for Eisenman because we think he's fantastic because he is. It's that we understand how bad this fucking roster was when he came in. We are no longer in that situation. Do they still need a high-end player? Yeah. Are they close to getting some of those on this team? Yes. There's guys knocking on the door soon in Grand Rapids. It's coming. Don't be pissed if it's not there this season. That's all I got to say. So, Tyler, did you have something to add there? Yeah, I was just going to say, not to mention how many people, when you're building a roster like this, if it's a situation, obviously, Debrink, it's a guy that could put you over the top and be in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. But in terms of, you know, a year down the line when Austin Matthews is a free agent, potentially. Next year's free agent class is going to be potentially pretty damn good. But that cap going up saves some teams, I think, a lot of headache. And, And what I'm saying by that is, like, not saying Austin Matthews. I'm saying a player to that caliber could say, you know what? I like what Detroit's doing. I really think I could fit there. Can we make it work with Steve Eisman? There it is. And there's your your star player. And now you're off and running. And you're still hearing again this year that players saw that Eisman's calling. They took that phone call because they know what the, they know what's coming from it. And that he would see something in them to help try to make this team better and get them back to what they grew up on. So we'll see. But to not be such negative, Nancy, other than that, I mean, we're finally hitting the, oh, shit, what are we going to talk about stage of the summer? So we'll hopefully we'll have something crazy happen in the next week. If not, then we'll see what happens. But other than that, already Ryan 33. Uh, my final thoughts are playoffs, baby. Let's fucking do this. Yeah, Ryan. Hey, who won the, the giveaway? Uh, that was Red Wings did, Ryan. Did we announced that. Did we announce but, that last week on here? I don't think uh, we did. Not on the podcast, but Red Wings Ryan won. Congrats, Red Wings Ryan. I'm going to get your thing in the Congrats, mail soon. Ryan. Uh, but yeah, playoffs, baby. That is my final thoughts. Uh, again, sub to us on YouTube. If you haven't, turn on the notifications. Get notified every time a video goes live. Talk to us on there. Talk to us on Twitter. Talk to us everywhere. Uh, we'd like to give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network for hosting us and spreading us around at HockeyPodNet to Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. If you use the promo code GRINDLINE on Howie's Hockey Tape, you get 10% off. Same promo code on Bring Hockey Back gets you 12% off. And you can find our merch on Redbubble.com by searching the Grindline. You can follow me at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. That's going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.